You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and one step off the grid and if that wasn't enough, the driven as well. And joining me today, as usual, is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Um, mate, I'm supercharged. Supercharged. Super, supercharged. Supercharged. Yep. Is that because yep. you've been on holidays? Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm on holidays, and uh, I've literally been supercharging my bike. Which, um, uh, if you, if I'm lucky, you might let me talk about a little bit at the end of this podcast. Um, if you're so lucky, if I'm lucky. Um, so yeah, I am on holidays, so that's really nice. And um, yeah, spending a whole heap of time trying to keep up with the changing demands of electric vehicle ownership. That's that's the long and the short of it for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, look, um, some interesting things happening with electric vehicles, and uh, we'll probably get that to the at the end of the podcast. Um, some interesting news on Tesla. Um, if you ever want a battery that lasts a million miles, then they've got one for you. So they say. Um, so they say, yes. An autopilot comes, you know, compulsory with all new electric vehicles. And um, I'm, 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 Is that I'm, you? I'm, Does that include you? Look, it might include me because I don't really? really want to, I, I don't know oh. if I can afford an autopilot, but um, oh. I actually want to drive the damn thing myself. But um, look, we'll find out when it gets here, I suppose. But um, um, yeah, there there is a lot going on internationally with electric vehicles. That's for sure. There's just nonstop news about um, oh. model releases and and shows and superchargers, and you know that's that's why I've been stuck in the shed um, because you know charging infrastructure and everything else is is moving very very rapidly. So that's good. <laughs> that's got you stuck in the shed, has it? Because it's of charging it's infrastructure. Totally that's right. Right. I'm gonna have a rant. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, we might we might have to um, look. While we're talking about supercharged, I think you just wanted to make an announcement about Iggy Pop. Oh, you know, you you live on the north coast, and I just big shout out to Iggy Pop, seventy two years old. Uh, it's why it's you know apparently it was the best live show ever. I don't know if you felt like that, but Giles, but my wife who sees a lot of live music and uh, is a huge aficionado reckons Iggy Pop still got it at seventy two years old. My partner's There's hope for you, mate. There's hope for you, mate. My partner's observation was that he spends a bloody head of a lot of money on his hair. Um, <laughs> really? Really? Who was looking Look, at his hair, mate? It was all about his hips, wasn't it? Was it was about all you could actually see. Well, you couldn't actually see his hips because there was such a big crowd. And um, But the hair, you could see his hair because that's kind of like his main feature right now. And really? um, yeah. Look, it may well have been the best live uh, um, performance, but we left after about 30 minutes. Um, so, um, But look, that's probably got more to the nature of the Blues Festival now. It's kind of standing room only. It's not exactly yeah. comfortable. But um, I've got to say, I think my favourite moment there was... Arlo Guthrie singing Alice's Restaurant and oh, um, all for 18 minutes. Oh. For me, that was worth the price of entry. So, oh, um, nice. you know, that was nice. um, that was pretty good. And look, there was yeah, some I heard. Other Blues Fest was but, pretty um, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Mate, um, <laughs> I'm not too sure whether people came here for concert reviews but um, and, and shed talk, but um, look, <laughs> we, better, we better move on to solar before everyone we sort of hangs up and goes. Solar. 
Yeah. What's the vibe? That's the thing I've been thinking about. You know, I mean, I'm, it's always good when you're on holidays and you, you you have a bit of time to reflect and you go, what's going on out there, you know? And to me, it's really interesting because there's a mixed vibe out there. On the one hand, we're, I think we're winning uh, at the macro level of politics. When you look at the press and you look at um, the increasingly outrageous and desperate, you know, climate skeptic stuff that's popping out, it just looks stupid. Um uh, and all the conversations around EVs and around solar and around energy, I think we're winning uh, at that macro level thing. Um, well, it's it certainly when, when you're talking about the sort of the, the protests and, and look, the whole the whole tone of everything has become very shrill and very yeah. shouty. So you kind yeah. of think that um, you know this is the last gasp. But um, gee, look, I've got to be a little bit you know I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen in the next election because um, you know it's we we are not past the time when um, shrill and shouty um, um, you know doesn't necessarily win elections or it does it, it can still win elections and and that's kind of what worries me um, mm. I'm not convinced that this um, this government's going to go and if this government doesn't no. go um, sure um, probably what you're about to say about rooftop solar and technology will continue to march forward but we're not going to get much cooperation or much leadership which to be frank, is really what's needed at the moment because, look, so, sure, the technologies are moving on, but, look, unless we get some real coordination, some real planning and some real leadership here, a visionary, where we need to go, let's work backwards, let's work out what we need to be able to have achieved at certain points, and then we'll go for it. I, I couldn't agree more, mate. And, and you know, whilst I think we're winning at the macro level, at the, at the micro level, at the sort of, you know, the nitty-gritty and the coalface there's a lot of noise and a lot of unhappiness out there at the moment, and and um, you know you look at what's happening. There's a big stink about what's what's been introduced in Queensland with respect to um, uh, less experienced workers, and there's a there's a divide in the industry about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Those new regulations that effectively require you know electricians to be doing pretty mundane tasks and in. in uh, many cases. Where's the, where's the where's the divide in the industry? I thought the divide in the industry was half the people thought it was stupid and half the people thought it was crazy. Other people got <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, there's a there's a number of people who have very vocally come out and said we think this is a good thing. Um, we think this this is good for qualified people. It's good for highly trained um, technicians. It's good for solar experts because they should be able to get more work out of this. And um, those jobs shouldn't go to less. People want to spend their time stacking solar modules on top of one another and on top of um, foundations and um, and what have you. Um, well, out in the exactly. middle of the um, th that's um, exactly. that's got me worried. Yeah, exactly. There's and a, it's got a lot of that, other people worried too. I mean, exactly. I There's a I divide nice. there somewhere that is not right, clearly. And uh, that's where the debate is, is what, where's the line in the sand there? So, you know, that's causing problems. We've got metering problems still because of the power of choice stuff causing delays and issues and challenges that I keep hearing about. Um, you know, some of the rules around PPA metering are getting utterly ridiculous and slowing the industry down. So, you know, you've and we've also got clumsiness out there. You know, the turning off of the Victorian solar rebate with very, very short notice has... Um, has caused a lot of ramifications for people. There were guys out there buying mounting uh, 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 fall protection equipment and investing in new stuff that was and, and applying for approved retailer status only to have the scheme pulled out from underneath them until July. So, you know, there's a bit of a slump in the yeah, market. Yeah, Look, it's one of those things that you've got with policies when you sort of do an incentive. And look, I, you know, 
the, to be fair to the Victorian government, they did actually say we will only offer a certain amount um, this financial year, and they did actually extend that and expand that, but they still closed it because demand, as you could possibly predict, is um, was huge, and so the offer just sort of disappeared pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah. people are screaming that um, now the now the phones stop ringing because if you are a consumer, then that's probably what you're going to do if you know that an incentive is going to restart in two months' time. Then that's probably um, you know a bit like waiting for Boxing Day for your sales. If you well, no, that's a bit rare. <laughs> but okay, I'll take that back. <laughs> you're exactly no, you're exactly right, though. Right, people, people will hold off, and we're seeing the same thing in South Australia. I was chatting with some great guys I know down there the other day, and they were saying that you know the messaging around some of this stuff is so subtle, uh, and a lot of in South Australia, a lot of the messaging uh, around the battery scheme has been this program's going to bring down the cost of batteries over time. So you know, it's a great thing that we're doing. Well. What's happening is some consumers are going, oh, okay, it's going to come down over time, so I'll wait. Um, I might make some inquiries, I might make a phone call, I might get someone to design a system and give me a quote, but I'm actually going to wait because the government keeps telling me it's going to get cheaper. Um, and they very clumsily published um, a bunch of prices recently from a sample of uh, battery quotes that were provided to end users, allegedly. And that sample of quotes was, frankly, um, a bit of garbage. Uh, I hate to say, In Giles, but... Well, some of the quotes turned out to actually be below wholesale cost. And what they'd done was they'd picked up, they just looked at their databases, they'd looked at some of the prices of the quotes and had grabbed them and gone, oh, that one's really low. We won't ask why or, or whether there was anything unusual there. We'll just post that as a price benchmark so that the end users in the industry can see what the benchmarks are for pricing. But what's happened is a number of prices have slipped through that were basically done below cost. And so that's... Uh, alarmed consumers and and you know caused a bit of furor in the industry because people said hang on hang on I can't buy the gear for that um, don't publish prices and tell consumers that it's going to be below cost below wholesale cost because no one can supply it so clumsiness is is perhaps perhaps the best way to describe it and and you know this is the challenge that we always have with any rebate scheme is there's a lot of detail around the fringes that really really makes a big difference to people's bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's quite crazy the number of different things that are going on at regulatory level and rulemaking level and um, and what have you, all sorts of different tweaks and propositions for um, distributed energy resources um, management schemes. Um, it's actually just, you know, everywhere you turn and uh, my head's just sort of flipping around from one to the other and really can't keep keep up. Um, I did notice today that um, Western Australia is going to install um, 240,000 um, smart meters um, oh, wow. in, in um, um, as part of its sort of what it calls its meter replacement um, program. So I haven't been able to look too deeply at that, but 240,000 smart meters would just about correspond with the number of um, customers there who have rooftop solar. Solar, so, it would. Um, it would. That would be a bit. It would. Right. Yes. Mm, yes. Yes. So it's um. Look, it is pretty interesting because there's some a few issues happening in WA about the management of that, and uh, I know the grid operator there is very worried about the sort of the reach of rooftop solar and its impact, particularly because WA is an isolated grid and 
for the first time last year, we wrote about a couple of months ago, they actually had to intervene in the market to sort of, you know, have some sort of standby generators because they're worried about the ramping up and the ramping down because of so much rooftop solar and clouds passing and stuff like that. And um, and just last week, they got pretty damn close to 50% uh, renewable energy share, just wind and solar in an isolated grid like WA, which was pretty damn major. Of it. Wow. I was trying to write a story about it, but God, talk about confusion about... Um, about numbers so you know a contact in wa quite a senior person in the energy industry sort of sent it to me he's he took some grabs from the data dashboard and sort of threw in the rooftop solar readings and said well that all adds up to 50 percent renewable energy share that's remarkable it's the first time ever and i checked back with aema and god talk about getting the runaround and sort of lack of clarity over things and oh yeah no not quite it wasn't 50 percent because it wasn't sent out energy and it's got to be all this other sort of stuff that energy needed to keep needed to keep these machines going and at the point, and oh god, talk about like a cloud because going, well, hang on, but doesn't your data dashboard say exactly what the share is? So if that's <laughs> wrong, then everything that you produce is wrong. And anyway, but look, whether it's forty-seven percent or fifty percent is right up there, and it just sort of shows the the, the, the state, um, the speed of the transformation that's happening over there. When you're getting, you're starting to get renewable energy shares. Uh, wind and solar of that sort of share um, in that sort of state. So Everywhere, that's pretty man. interesting. So, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and the metering yeah, the metering stuff is interesting. I'm intrigued to hear that they're going to put 250,000 smart meters in because there's smart meters and there's smart meters, right? And, um, uh, you know, there is an opportunity for smart meters to actually provide really valuable and important information for end users and for networks. Um, and so often we see smart meter rollout programs that are not geared for end users, that are not metering solar in any meaningful way, and not providing access to, to cheap data for people to be able to monitor their solar system, and they're, just, they're actually dumb meters dressed up with a comms port for the network companies. Um, that's harsh, but that's what we've seen um, in the past, and um, I oh, really absolutely. hope they do something intelligent. We've got, this, we've got similar things happening in New South Wales. Ausgrid... Um, are apparently talking about introducing demand charges associated with the rollout of new metering type smart meters. Um, I've got a thing up on their website. I picked this one up off Facebook, but they're talking about potentially trying to pass through demand charges to residential customers for one of the very first times. This is different from a time of use tariff. This is actually demand as well, not just not just energy uh, pricing in time of use, but also demand in time of use. Now, whether that flows through or not, we don't we don't really know yet. It's it's a proposal that came out early in the year that's um, uh, slated to, to come into force on 1st of July this year. Um, but we're going to do some more digging on that one because that'll be a first if we see demand charges on residential bills. Well, it certainly would be a first for New South Wales. Look, I think it's had a bit of a run, a, a go in South Australia. I'm not too sure. Maybe yep. um, it was maybe it was a voluntary uptake and it didn't go through. Demand charges for those who are not familiar with them are basically it's actually applied to a lot of businesses in various places, and it basically takes the most you use from the grid at any particular point in time over one month's period, and that's how much you and and your your bill is set around that. So. If your usage spikes up to say, you know, twenty kilowatt hours at any one point, that's what you pay for, because it just kind of assumes that um, you're using. You know, that's the capacity you want from the grid. Yep. Therefore, that's that's the space that you reserve on the grid. There's a bit of criticism about that because it kind of says, well, 
hang on, um, that might be important if that happens at peak demand because that's when you know the amount that you're using of the grid is really important. But if that's happening at times of low demand and your usage just happens to correspond to low demand, then why should you get pinged for that? Mm. So um, you know, there's as usual there's pros and cons for everything, but um, um, people certainly need to be reasonably alert because if you throw all your things on at one time, like your air conditioning and your electric oven, and um, if you happen to have electric hot water or something like that, boy, are you got for a big um, for a big a big bill. But um, that's right. The demand. Maybe what, what they're trying to do is get a change in you know, at, at, so you don't do that at peak times. And, and and if that if that's the goal of it, then that's fair enough. Yeah, and and demand management has always been a really crucial um, issue for for networks, particularly. I mean, less so than it used to be. We don't have the massive spikes in demand that we used to because we've got so much renewable energy out there now. So you know that when it's spiking is different, how it's spiking is different, and people's ability to manage that is different to what it used to be. So um, it's really intriguing to to um, imagine what Ausgrid's intention might be and how that might flow through. Because remember, it's got to be picked up by the retailers and and passed through somehow. So, um, yeah, pros and cons. Sure I agree. Yeah, you're not too sure if you're you're, you're right about the sort of the lack of um, demand spikes. Um, well, maybe there's a lack of demand spikes, but you can certainly see the pricing spikes because the boys in the wholesale energy market absolutely go for it at every opportunity they can. And yeah. um, you know the number of sort of the times that we hit the sort of the market peak, which I think is. Fourteen thousand five hundred or fourteen thousand six hundred dollars a megawatt hour um, is still extraordinary, um, and that's just basically the big boys um, being able to play in the markets, and um, and we'll never find out whether it's an abuse of market power because the regulator does, is not even allowed to interview the traders when uh, when this happens. Um, such is the uh, the. Um, the friendly regime that we have monitoring these things, but anyway, that's another story. Um. Yeah, lots going on. <laughs> lots going on. We need to, we need to kind of get through the next few weeks, I think, and and see how policy settles down, and see how the states settle down, and um, you know, get some of these get some of these niggly, bloody issues sorted out, so that the industry can just. Um, just bubble along like we have. And, and you know, it was interesting. I wrote a letter that I may yet talk to some of the New South Wales policymakers about, which was all the bad things and all the good things and all the suggestions looking at other policies and programs and incentives around the place. And there are definitely some good things that flow out of these programs. Um, but so far, my list of n- uh, unintended negative consequences is much bigger than my list of positive things um, and there's definitely some low-hanging fruit for opportunities to do things better um, so let's hope that we can do better solar absolutely look um, let's hope to do that but we should get on some crap solar now um, mm. our sort of um, our watch over the industry and some sort of shoddy practices and look I'm just reading from your note here and this fascinates me <laughs> DIY power walls and then it's got this really strange acronym, which I presume is a technical term, OMFG. <laughs> Could you so, explain, please explain. <laughs> Good Lord. So, you know, um, you can waste endless amounts of time, of time on social media, but one of my favorite ways to waste time is by looking at a Facebook page called DIY Power Walls. And basically it's born out of a bunch of what would appear to be largely completely incompetent um, people and I put myself in the category of incompetent in many ways with things electrical. But what's scary is these guys are getting old laptop batteries and you know scooter battery batteries from anywhere, lithium batteries from anywhere they could possibly get them, 
and they buy little sonic welding machines or soldering machines and they solder them together and the idea is make your own power wall out of cheap or secondhand or recycled batteries. In principle, terrific idea. But generally, the site is full of the most terrifying photos and stories of oh my power wall went up in smoke today and i've just destroyed you know my garage or you know how should i use a fuse it, it, it it's pretty alarming so i thought that was one to just remind people that I, I, you know, are you sure are you sure it's a good idea even on principle <laughs> <laughs> well look Probably not. Probably not. You're right. I'm going to ch- challenge, challenge that assertion. That? Yeah. <laughs> Look, recycling's good. I give it. I give it Re- that. Re- recycling is very good, but geez, as, as you say, um, trying to create your own sort of power wall with um, yeah, secondhand uh, living batteries. I don't know. Not. I it's not. Know. It's not for the uneducated. It's not for the unskilled. And that's what's a bit terrifying about it is there seems to be a lot of unskilled people out there thinking that they can just slap batteries together, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. So, don't. Mm-hmm play with lithium batteries in your shed uh, folks well no that's right yeah look i just actually caught a bit of a news um on one of the international websites about a fire in the um fluence um aps um battery storage um installation oh, i'm just trying to think where it is now somewhere in america i think it might have been arizona but um it's not exactly oh, wow. clear what the cause is but um so- certainly a, a um Something worth monitoring. But um, anyway, um, hmm. back to Tip 2 Phoenix thing. Is that happening again? Yeah, it is. Re- Look, uh, rearing its ugly head. Rearing its ugly head. It's all too easy to change your name and dance and dodge and, you know, have multiple entities. And, you know, there's... It's something that people just have to be very, very aware of that is going on out there. And, you know, you really need to test the legitimacy of claims of of, of who companies are and who they're connected to. And, you know, um, the, it, it seems to be quite rife at the moment. And I think that's by virtue of the fact that there are a lot of rebate schemes out there, a lot of incentives out there. So there's a lot of hunger for people to jump into the market. Um, and, um, you know, it's pretty easy to just create. It's so, I mean, it's terrifyingly easy to create a new business name and a new entity and and just pop up so again just another warning for for end users and indeed anyone in the industry um yeah we spend a lot of time um looking at who it is that we're dealing with and what their connections are and you know what companies they may or may not be associated with it's a it's a non-stop challenge Mm. now back to the shed Whoops. Um, yeah, look, I. The good news are, is, are, are, we, are we going back to the shed now, or was it, was it, or was there something else? No, no. Look, the good news is, because I'm on holidays, I've only picked up on two crap solar stories, so that's good. We can have uh, uh, only two this week instead of three. Um, but what is what has been interesting and fun actually was. Um, spending Easter in my shed, I, I, long story short, I had a lot of things to do on my bike that I needed to, to um, uh, do a major overhaul and some customization and stuff. But the vast majority of it was actually dictated by the nature of our charging network in Australia because there are a menagerie of different charging um, systems that are out there. There's J-Series, there's Menicus, Tesla, uh, uh, there's normal 240 sockets, there's three-phase sockets, there's there's a menagerie of different outlets. And uh, the challenge for uh, an electric motorcycle 
vehicle owner in particular, is carrying around all these boxes of cable, bags of cables and adapters and, and its weight and its bulk, and I don't have room for it. I don't want to do it. So um, the state of the EV industry has actually forced me to spend 50 hours of my Easter holidays in the shed custom making a new... Uh, a new control center, an AC control center, basically, that allows me to switch between a whole lot of different inlets and outlets and different charger types. I've added a supercharger to my bike. I call it a supercharger. It's a, a bigger charger that I usually carry in a tank bag, but I've permanently mounted it on because um, charging infrastructure demands that now, and, and fast charging is where it's at um, for everyone. So... Yeah, this doesn't this doesn't seem something that most um, drivers of electric vehicles will want to do. I don't think. Giles, do you know you're exactly right? You're completely and utterly right. I, you know, you can't buy this stuff off the shelf. Uh, you can't buy it. It's very very tricky, and I've had to assemble a vast array of bizarre and um uh you know a vast array of 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 bizarre parts and pieces and custom stuff to try and make this work on my bike because the bike wasn't designed for it a lot of vehicles don't have multiple charging ports on them and it's 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 the reality so yeah um it's definitely the domain of the early adopter and the customizer Oh God, and the patient, and and the patient driver, and the patient charger. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I had, um, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I had had, had the use of a Kona, the Hyundai Kona, for five days up here, and um, sort of drove around to three different public charging stations to see if I could uh, charge it up, and um, no go. No, no you go. had the wrong, you, you had the wrong plugs, right? Had the wrong plug, so um, see, yeah, I, yeah you, it's your fault. It's I'm telling it's Claire, my fault. it's completely your fault that I've spent fifty hours in the shed because <laughs> you got me thinking, and I went, well, I just want to be able to rock up anywhere and charge off any available charging outlet. And you know, I heard Giles's story, and I, thought, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me, and I can't always carry adapters and cables with me, so I need to modify my bike to to be able to cope with all that kind of stuff. So it's your fault, mate. <laughs> I've just got this image of you just sort of going down the highway with the electric bike and all your sort of cables sort of flying out a bit like sort of like a kitten <laughs> with a ball of wool, just sort of rolling down the highway, sort of <laughs> keeping his cables under control just in case. Just, just in, in case. case. No, no, no. We'll see um, now. I've got rid case, of all that. Know? I've got rid of all that. I've got a really nice, sleek tank mounted system with everything all ready to go so all i gotta do is plug in now so that's you know but that's that's the that's the challenge that we have 50 hours well spent 50 um, and i'm not done yet oh, you're not done yet yeah no. what do you reckon about the labor labor target for 50 percent electric vehicle sales it's not going to happen if this is what uh, people need to do no look and i think um i think more is more is the answer. More is simply the answer. The more this happens, the more vehicles that are out there, the more charging facilities out there, it's going to settle down eventually. And it's just life at the moment that we all have to deal with. So you either have to bag of adapters or you have to you know, spend 50 hours in your shed and customise your electric motorcycle. Um, the later models are much more adaptable. They're, they're geared up better and some of them do have multiple ports. So, you know, we'll get there. But uh, the more infrastructure the more demand for these vehicles is and survey after survey after survey saying people want them um you know it'll 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 wash out it'll flush out but um you know the next year or so is going to remain um, pretty clunky and you need a bag of cables <laughs> need a bag of cables that's one of the saddest stories i've heard um 
<laughs> um, any other news around the electric vehicle thing? I did. I did notice that the um, I think it was the Jaguar I Pace um, got the World Car of the Year award or something like that. So mm. um, that's not bad for an electric vehicle. Their their first effort. And um, look, Tesla's in the news um, um, as usual. Um, extended range up to six hundred kilometres. I think now for some of their model Model S and Model X um, cars. Um, yep. And the Model 3 gets closer and closer to Australia. I reckon in about the next month or so, we're going to start seeing some of the people at the top of the queue of Model 3s invited to um, start filling out their um, filling out their choices and their forms. Mm, and we might even yeah. see um, deliveries happening in about July and August. So um, mm. the thing is, I don't think anyone actually knows where they are in the queue and how many there are actually waiting in Australia and... Um, I know, I know one attendee just recently defected and went and got themselves a Kona, with which mm-hmm. they're delighted. So um, mm. that's interesting. So um, Yeah, the yeah. TV ads are flowing for the Kona. Um, I'm seeing them all the time now for the electric Kona in, here in Sydney. So, you know, they're, they're pushing oh, sales really them. hard. Yeah, no, they're pushing really? it quite hard. Yep, yep, yep. Um, spotted it um, over last last week or so quite regularly. So, and and uh, you know, uh, cars are good, but bikes are better. Uh, what's interesting, more interesting, is that there was an announcement made uh, recently that the big three, Honda, Kawasaki, and Suzuki, I think it was, um, are getting together to try and um, standardize battery and charging. Um, standards across the different makes and across the different manufacturers and there have been a number of patents uh, applied for recently from some of the big uh, big bike companies um, there was a, a clip that I saw of a, a Honda dirt bike um, sort of out in public for the first time looking like a very serious weapon so there's there's movement up in that those big three as well to try and standardise and commonize and learn from each other so they can get a common platform for motorcycles um, so yeah there's there's plenty going on out there mate mm, absolutely now um anything else coming up no look i you know another 50 hours in the shed before i go back to work <laughs> that's about it <laughs> that's five times 10 days you must be back and work on monday or tuesday then that's right mate that's right i'll get it working <laughs> Well, look, um, probably a good time to thank our sponsors, which, of course, are Solar Analytics and um, Sunwiz and uh, PV Cell. Um, please check out all their products and things, and we do thank you for your ongoing sponsorship um, of the Solar Insiders podcast. Um, some interesting other ones that you might want to sort of check out, um, the Energy Insiders podcast. We had an interview with um, Simon Curry from uh, Renew Estate and Energy Estate, and They've got some, he's got some interesting um, views about um, the state of the large-scale solar industry, um, so um, it might be worth checking out that. Um, anything else before we sign off, Nigel, that we need to uh, touch up on? No, look, I mean, I might I might just throw in one quick apology. Last week uh, I talked about the issue in Queensland with unskilled workers and, um, you know, talked very generically about what tasks were and weren't unskilled. I rattled a few people in that one. Apologies, listeners. Um, certainly no intention for me to breach rules or regulations or infer that, you know, unskilled people should be doing skilled work. Um, uh, however, as as I was I was trying to get the point across that there's lots of opportunities for unskilled people as well to come up through the ranks, and um, you know both skilled and unskilled. Let's see more jobs for more solar workers doing more better solar. 
Well, that's right, yes, but let's also not see an industry sort of handicapped by some unwieldy rules. And um, look, I've um, been writing about this for about 10 years, 12 years. Um, I haven't seen quite the same sort of level of visceral anger about regulation um, as, as this one. And it's not just affecting the large-scale solar people, it's affecting some of the um, people who are doing the commercial scale, 100 yep. kilowatts plus. Rooftop stuff. Some yeah. of them are absolutely ropeable about this and you know, think it might actually put them out of business. Um, simply just sort of allocating staff and resources and, and, and things like that. So um, they're mm-hmm. not too sure which way to turn. And looks, let's, let's hope, look, obviously this has been sparked off, um, Boomtish, um, by some sort of issue. Um, I'm sure there's a way of resolving those issues um, that sort of caused this um, review um, without actually just sort of throwing another even bigger spanner into the works. So it just seems completely crazy to me and um, hopefully um, people can come to their senses. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Got any Nigel? Well, look, mate, enjoy the next 50 hours in the shed, um, adding <laughs> more cables man. to that bike. Yeah. You know, it's going yeah. to like, be like Charlotte's Web, I think. And, um... <laughs> it's going to be great. Thank it's you, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back in a fortnight with another issue, another episode of Solar Insiders. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell Software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free, high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.